return into our open session. And we are at item number three. Can I get a motion to adjourn, please? So move. Dale. Second Taylor. All in favor say aye. 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 Any opposed? Motion passes seven to zero. All right. We are going to transition now to our work session. Uh, and today is September 21st, 2021. And the first item is gonna be the fiscal year 2023 budget goals and priorities. And I'm gonna welcome our city manager, Jeff Ruin. All right, thank you, Mayor. Like clockwork, it's budget season again. Um, and this is the time of year where we like to just do a check-in with you. Uh, no formal presentation tonight, although we're happy to answer questions um, if you, if you uh, have any. Uh, we do like to check in with you just to see if there's any new budget priorities that you'd like us to consider as the staff begins to compile the FY23 budget. So uh, just a quick reminder for you and the public, uh, your staff is going to be working hard on budget compilation uh, really from about this time all the way through December, at which time we'll deliver you a draft fiscal year 23 budget. Um, your review largely takes place in January and February because state law requires that the budget be approved in March. Um, when we get to January and February, we can certainly make changes, although any significant changes to the budget become a little bit more difficult at that time as we've set tax rates and we've made other decisions that might have to be undone. So again, what we look for tonight is just any, any changes to your goals, any specific projects you want us to be uh, reconsidering or, or taking, uh, taking a look at. Uh, so with that, I'll just turn it back over to you, Mayor. And again, if you have questions, uh, we've got a number of staff here that can field those. Great. Well, I know that um, we've all been through this process <laughs> once before where we just kind of talk about our priorities and some things that we want staff to consider. And so I'll just have uh, people just put it out there. I want to start. Uh, I guess I want to talk about affordable housing. I know that through the American Rescue, uh, like money that's coming soon, Jeff recommended some kind of affordable housing. All of us agree. That's something we have to do. But even before we knew that this is coming, we talked last time on the master, like our master plan that we added the word, we need a solid plan for affordable housing. And let us think about if this money never came. Our, since we said this is some, one of the goals that we wanna achieve next time, I think it is fair to like, think about allocation of like some of the budget to be like uh, in the US for affordable housing plan. Uh, I'm just saying that because we talked about it and we need to really be a little aggressive. I've been in this council for four years. This is my last year. And since I joined, I was saying affordable housing and everybody agree. I don't think nobody in this council member, they really don't agree about there is affordable housing crisis and we need to work and you know add to that what the city has been doing regarding affordable housing. If we can add more work 
so we can have really a solid plan for affordable housing for Iowa City. At this moment, I've been experiencing a lot of experience. I've been seeing people who get Section 8 voucher from my community or the people that I serve at the Center for Worker Justice. They will be very excited that finally, they've been in the waiting list for almost three years, finally they get voucher, but they cannot find a voucher house that comparing uh, to the market price with the same thing. If they are lucky, they will find housing fellowship, which is being playing like really great part of providing houses that will be covered by Section 8 easy, and because they are in lower price, but take Section 8 and go everywhere. That's why people moving out. If you, I know, like my cousin, she couldn't find anything in Iowa City. She have to move out to Coralville because Coralville, like uh, market price is less than Iowa City. So this is, we, we are forcing people out of our community because the market price of, of, of housing here is really high. So I, the city have to do something. We need our population to grow because that's good for us. And as a city, so we have more poverty tax and everything. I just hope, you know, this council can try to start something about this. I'm not gonna be with you all, but please think about this. Beating, people being waiting for a long time to see the city is being doing this. Thank you. I agree with um, Mayor Protam Salee. Uh, it has been an issue for a long time that we've been talking about, and I know the the South District uh, Home Ownership Program was an excellent start as far as uh, getting lower income folks in, into housing, uh, but that is for home ownership, and I think what she's referring to is uh, also for the rental, rental properties. And what we've heard is that it's too expensive for the developers to build new multi-family units, but perhaps we as a city need to uh, be a little stronger in our uh, discussions with developers and encourage them, uh, even help them find properties that, that they could uh, redevelop as, as more uh, affordable units for these folks that, that need this housing. Um, I also have uh, talked quite a lot about uh, child care, and I, I still feel really strongly that the city needs to um, look at that, and I know we've talked about it. Uh, we've talked about a brick and mortar option as far as a building and purchasing a building or even co-purchasing it with the county. And I, I would hope that we continue to have that as a priority because that's what holds a lot of people back uh, in, in jobs uh, because they don't have childcare. We've heard that a lot. Uh, so I think uh, having that, having a brick and mortar facility as well as um, an education and uh, training uh, program for providers, and I think that'd be really important and something we should do. I mean, I th I think I um, I agree with both priorities. I do think that with respect to childcare, um, aside from perhaps either aside from or in addition to a brick and mortar. Uh, one of the most important things we can do is help people uh, open up, uh, get the training and the certification to open up home daycares in their in their own homes. That has proven one of the things that certainly I've seen personally throughout the pandemic is that having smaller units so that you have sort of pods of people and and there's not such uh, there there's a much a smaller chance of of 
uh, people being infected or so forth can, can really be valuable um, so that re as opposed to a, a large one so that you can have them in neighborhoods, in people's homes, in the community. Um, those, those, can be, uh, those can be both really successful, successful and, re and a really important income stream for whoever runs that that childcare with, because one person can have, depending if they don't take babies, they can have up to five or six kids in their home. Mm -hmm. um, and you get a number of those and that can make a big difference. With respect to affordable housing, the one, the thing that I would like to put on the table is um, something that I've heard about, but I don't know the extent to, that we've done it. Um, and that's land banking. Because land is a really, is a very, um, it, it is, land is expensive. It's a, a really important part of, of a, a, an integral part of the cost of putting up, whether putting up if you're going to do if you're going to do new construction, um, and the and so I mean I don't know Jeff where where we stand on that, but it seems to me that land banking could be a really integral part of that. Mm -hmm. I can respond to that real quick. Um, we have bought uh, one uh, piece of property for land banking. It's a uh, it's a lot uh, on the east side of town that would accommodate six townhomes. Uh, we've made uh, uh, offers on other lots, but have not found our way to closure. Um, we do have, uh, um, I'd say we're working towards a significant accumulation of fee and lieu dollars in the Riverfront Crossings District uh, to the point where we're starting to have some preliminary staff conversations about possible interest in purchasing property down there or partnering with um, uh, some future development that may occur in that area. Um, and then again, outside of the riverfront crossings where those, because as a reminder, the, the fee and lieu that are generated from riverfront crossings must stay in that district. Outside of that area, um, we still have a few hundred thousand dollars in our land bank uh, account and we selectively look for property that we can, we can purchase. But outside of the six townhomes, uh, we have not uh, closed on anything yet. I think we, we have done really a lot of good things when I just hear about, for example, the next building that we have on Harbor Hoover. There is apartment that is really affordable because the city is also like help on making those certain apartment on that building to be affordable. Uh, for example, the, the other one that we have in River Crook Crossing that being managed by the uh, housing fellowship is very nice and also have some affordable housing at the 30%, 50%, 4% way is really good. I think the peninsula on the like fourth road, we have some apartment there that people can really live for. Those kind of things, we can, if we become just a little aggressive with those kind of things that we already been doing it and it have good result, Will be will be great. You know, just one of the idea. I, I'm not experienced affordable housing, but I know in this city there is a lot of people who have experience and they can bring it to the table to the city. So, something like this. Well, we do have the. Um, I certainly agree with the affordable housing emphasis. Uh, we will have a co the committee coming out with its report. Uh, sometime later this year, correct, Jeff? That's correct, yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what their recommendations may be. Uh, I would want to emphasize, you know, in looking at the strategic plan, it talks about 
fostering healthy neighborhoods and affordable housing throughout the city. I, I really do feel that the throughout the city needs to be emphasized. Mm -hmm. that we're, we, we, we need to integrate affordable housing into mm -hmm. our community. Uh, and the strategies may vary depending upon the context. So in terms of the budget, you know, some of these strategies, you know, and, and I've had discussions with the city manager and others, um, that they may require kind of testing the concept. It, it may not be something that we roll out in the same way that we rolled out or will roll out, I'm assuming, uh, the South District, that it would be, uh, the, the, the variables may be such, the challenges may be such that we need to test the idea on a much smaller scale to understand um, how we can do it well. Uh, there may be financial aspects to some of these strategies. Uh, you know, I've, I've become aware of the fact that many cities have enacted zoning changes, for example, Minneapolis, you know, allowing uh, duplexes and I believe triplexes on, on all single family lots in the city, but they're running into financial problems. You know, it, you, you can change the zoning code but if there are barriers to implementing the change, uh, you know, it doesn't get you anywhere. So it's, it may not just be simply changes to the regulatory uh, framework. It may also be looking at the financial uh, aspects of the strategies that we develop. Uh, but I do, again, want to emphasize how, how can we do this throughout the city? Uh, and Janice, I thought your your comment on the daycare was interesting in that way too. If we if we try to integrate the daycare into households, I'm I personally experienced that when I was in graduate school in Madison, where we we had uh, my wife at the time had a a small daycare operation built into our apartment. So that that sort of dist distributive approach uh, may reduce the cost because you you bypass the brick and mortar aspect of it, but you still have the regulatory factors to consider. Um, some of the other things that I've been thinking about would be in looking at our strategic plan, enhancing mo community mobility for all residents. I've been speaking about barriers to access in wintertime with the, uh, the corner curb ramps uh, during, uh, you know, that are, uh, the result of our plowing operations, that may have a budgetary consequence. Um, so, you know, we're looking at transit, that's good. Uh, pedestrian and bicycle networks, I think, are also important. So, at a minimum, this, this, these barriers to access as, as it relates to walking and then with our bike system, my observation has been that we're making great strides in our trail system. Uh, but less strides in our on-street bike lane system. Uh, and so, and that's a system that I think benefits ridership where biking is used for commuting purposes, not just recreational purposes. I mean, it has crossover into recreational use, but I think it might help us with regard to um, improving mobility where biking becomes an alternative to driving. So it sort of ties into our uh, need to, to reduce our dependence on, on fossil fuels. And my sense is that our bike lanes 
in, at least on certain streets, are, do not feel safe and comfortable. We do not yet have the protected bike lane as a, uh, a type. And I am seeing it. I saw it just the other day in, in uh, Cedar Rapids in their downtown area. Very, very uh, set aside bike lane, very clear uh, that it was um, distinct from the, and not adjacent to the, the vehicle lane. So improving the bike, bicycle network, I think, is, is something that I hope we can advance. I'm just, I'm seeing, I feel we're falling behind in terms of our um, on-street system. And the, the memo talks also about um, concerns regarding um, development and the, the, the fact that um, you know, growth has slowed at least with respect to some of our previous years. And, you know, we mentioned in our strategic plan the idea of trying to measure and understand the cost of development as it relates to the, the cost of the infrastructure that's required to service that development. So it, it seems to me a very critical time to really begin to evaluate how we grow. And that not all growth is equal in that regard. So how do we, how do we grow in a way which will be uh, not a liability over the long term? I mean, we're, the city is in the game for the, the long term. We're in the long game. Um, yes, we need to have revenues generated in the short term, but we don't want to see those, see development that is a, a revenue generator in the short term become a liability in the long term. So. That's something that we, I think, as a council and certainly as a community need to better understand. And there are ways in which uh, that analysis can be done and done in a way that's depicted graphically uh, in a very compelling way so that we're all on the same page in terms of understanding, you know, what, what ways, uh, in the ways we develop, some of those ways we develop may end up requiring subsidy over the long term. And so they, that in itself takes away from our ability to fund the kinds of things I think all of us are talking about tonight. Uh, so we at a, at a minimum need to understand that certain types of development may in the long term um, result in, in a subsidy in order to make them function properly. So I, I think this is an opportune time to take up that conversation. It's, it's on our strategic plan. We're kind of reaching the end of that two-year period. Uh, and I understand that we've run into buzz saws over the last two years uh, in terms of being able to look at all the issues that were raised two years ago. Uh, but I do think at this point in time, um, it's really critical that we have an idea of what type of development um, generates long-term long wealth and uh, integrate that into our, our development policy. I, my, my inclination is to think that that type of development will also address climate change, it will address equity, it will address the environment, you know, it, it, will, it will further us on, on other fronts as well if we if we take a critical look at our development model. So that may require funding as well to, to do that kind of analysis.
I appreciate all the discussion that's focusing on our strategic plan priorities because I think that's really remarkable when we think about we were sitting in March of 2020 coming up with those priorities and then if we look where we are now I think we still have those solidly in focus I think they're still very good in spite of um, all of the emergencies that we've been dealing with with since March of 2020. So we're talking about the budget that will be beginning, expenditures beginning July 1st, 2022. Hopefully by then, we'll be out of the emergency response phase with COVID, hopefully. And I think this year, I hope that we look we look at it as kind of a special year because of the American Rescue Plan infusion. The strategic investment projects that we all looked at and I think had consensus around at our last work session and relating to the ARPA funding um, really mesh well with our strategic plan priorities that we came up with in March of 2020. Um, so I, I agree with the focus on, on those, and I think that, yes, affordable housing, yes, uh, climate resiliency, yes, uh, inclusive neighborhoods. I appreciated, you know, workforce development, child care, mental health support, and all of that to me really ties into also our commitments from one summer ago relating to the Black Lives Matter movement. We said at the time that that was just the beginning of our anti-racism work as a council in this community. And I think it's important that we continue to invest in that. Um, not just the remainder or the $1 million that we allocated at the time, but really putting that focus on all of our departments, all of our um, other strategic plan priorities and strategic investment projects, I think can benefit from an anti-racist focus. So specifically relating to uh, what we discussed a year ago and how we're carrying forward to this budget that would be starting next July, we did also commit to our preliminary plan to restructure the police department. And I just want to focus on that spectrum of response, that continuum of response, and the prevent and divert, prevention and diversion from the sort of immediate police contact and prevention and diversion from the criminal justice system. I think we have a great opportunity to invest in that end of the spectrum with things like mobile crisis response, 911 integration or 988 if that's the timing of that um, and just really thinking about community safety because all of these strategic plan priorities affordable housing um, climate action uh, inclusive neighborhoods a resilient economy all of those things improve the safety of our community and i think we need to go a little bit further in being intentional with looking at things like violence interruption and how we might support that in our communities. And also remembering that workforce development, that our recreation programs, that our library programming, the programming that happens here, all of those things contribute to safety in our community. And I remember two years ago, it was like radical when we were talking about um, investing in some of these social supports like as infrastructure, right? But I think if we listen to this conversation here, we're solidly there and we're allowed to be there. We're able to be there because we've got that 
strong fiscal responsibility that we've carried on for so long. And I think with the infusion of federal money at this time, that's an even better opportunity. I agree with you, John, on the concern of where, you know, where's development going to be? What does that mean in terms of the tax base in addition, in addition to the, um, the cliff that we're facing with the 2013 tax reform and then the 2021 additional reforms? But I think, I think we really look at the timing of now and using the ARPA funding to really juice those strategic plan <laughs> priorities. And it's an exciting place to be. I would agree it's an exciting place to be because there's a lot of opportunities that we can do in this next budget process. Um, when I, you know, and it's, I'm happy you all brought us back to the strategic plan because the, the, there's actually six items that I have identified and, and they really do fall under uh, the strategic plan. And the majority of my fall under the last one that we actually discussed, which was promote an inclusive and resilient economy throughout Iowa City. Um, and, and I'll just kind of point them out because we have a little time, right? And also, USG, please engage in this conversation, especially from a student perspective. Um, when we talk about child care, I think nights and weekends, I, I would lo love to see opportunities for people because working individuals, jobs come 24 7, seven days a week. Um, you know, affordable housing, I think there's a lot to be said. A part of what we say in our strategic plan is that partnership. I think partnerships are critically important. We have some affordable housing um, advocates that are, you know, they know this work like the back of their hand and so I, I believe we should rely on them to really help us through this process. One challenge that I have found throughout this pandemic that is very apparent is where do you go for help? All the different types of help that you need. Um, I'm not exactly sure if um, I am promoting that the uh, city be one door entry or try to figure out the best ways for one door entry um, for just a hub that people come because there's so many things out there. And even when people come to me, you know, it's, I have to try to figure out what's the best avenue to, you know, advise them to go and receive whatever type of assistance that they need. So um, one door entry, and, and that can be for a variety of things for, um, accessing the city government um, type opportunities or um, even trying to find out what are the, the um, some of the benevolence type uh, activities within our community. The other thing that I that is here and is uh, very clear in our strategic plan and is uh, it says encourage healthy diverse and sustainable economic activity throughout the city um, including taking steps to invigorate neighborhood commercial districts and create new small neighborhood commercial nodes. I have to tell you that I absolutely love what was created over on, on the north side, the outside seating, that's really neat. I think that in our community, we can look at more opportunities to um, just create a space that is vibrant for people to come. I was at the Iowa League of Cities and the number one thing that people want to, um, when they visit a city or live in a city, 
vibrancy. And so I think we do have a lot of, there's a lot of vibrancy in our community. I also believe that those partnerships um, with um, some of our minor minorities need to also be re-looked at just to make sure that we're not only inviting them to the table to be a part of something in the community, but also making sure that we provide some funding to support their efforts. Um, I, I so love and appreciate that we have the um, the uh, the um, social justice and uh, equity. Wait a minute, what is it? The social justice and equity grant that we give, I think, right now is at seventy-five thousand. Uh, we have talked about increasing that. I still think we should increase that, but there are other ways to um, to f many of those applications come from organizations big organizations that have uh, some phenomenal things that they do but throughout the city throughout the year there could be a group that want to put on something like we had um, this past um, late um, uh, September 11th where there was a great event that happened um, and so as things come along uh, if there are some funds that the city can have for some opportunities from people who are just now breaking through to ask for city money and to engage in the city, I think that would be great that we have something kind of just lined up. The other thing is um, climate action. We can't forget about climate action, so I'm just going to leave it there because we need to be aggressive. The last thing I'll mention before I give up the mic is going to be uh, economic development. I think Wendy Ford and all of our staff, they do phenomenal work. They really do. I believe that we need um, someone dedicated <laughs> to, and whether this is through partnerships or someone dedicated on the city staff to kind of look for greater opportunities for uh, state, federal funds, IFA funds that can really help um, a, a large arrangement of our community, everybody in our community really is not just focused on one group or whomever, but if we can have someone just do a little more intentional work, you know, the um, business owners, uh, you know, the micro loan, especially for uh, minority individuals, I think that's great, but I also believe that there are some more monies and some more grants out there that people can benefit from, and if we can just have a dedicated staff, that would be great. Um, I know we're running short on time. Can I? Yeah. I haven't had opportunities, Council. Excuse me. Um, if you bear with me just a minute, this is um, the end of 12 years, my last opportunity to do this. And, I, and having done this um, this many years, I think we've, I, I want to give staff a whole lot of credit. Um, Jeff's been here for what, five years as city manager, and I don't remember how many before that as assistant city manager, four or five. And um, we just got a good history in the finance department and the city manager's office of really making sure that we um, are as efficient with our money, um, I think, as possible and certainly following council direction um, as to how we spend that. And when I've sat here and listened to all of my fellow council members, um, I would say there's not a single thing that I disagree with, okay? I think these are all really important things. Um, when we go back to affordable housing, uh, just as a reminder, we had a really, really good 15-point affordable housing program. We got through it, and we need to get a new one, and we're going to get a new one. 
um, and we made a lot of progress with that first one and we need to keep making that progress. Uh, Maz mentioned um, out on, on um, Herbert Hoover, those are, if you're referring to one, I think it's LIHTC dollars. And so the idea that we are as supportive and helpful as possible with developers who know how to and want to go after those LIHTC dollars and go through you know, the state and federal requirements of those monies, that's really important because that leverages our dollars big time. We get a lot more out of our city dollars if we can leverage those state and federal dollars. So to get those LIHTC projects. Similarly, uh, Housing Fellowship does an awesome job, um, as was mentioned. The other comment was, you know, we need to continue growing. Um, I, would, I don't know if this option is even still on the table, but I would encourage the council to really work with the city manager's office and see if there's any chance of getting the Carson Farm annexation back on the table. I mean, at that point in time, we have lost 200 acres of possible developable land with a minimum of 10% of the housing units on that being affordable housing under an ordinance that we currently have in place. I feel really strongly that we lost a great opportunity because the goal was to make it greater or perfect. And we don't always get greater, we don't always get perfect, but that was an opportunity for city parks, maybe a school, fire station, and again, a minimum of 10% of those housing units. And at least at that time, the developer was talking about not wanting all single family homes. We don't want all single family homes. We want the missing middle that John has introduced to us over the years. We want those opportunities. But we don't have much land left in the boundaries of the city of Iowa City. So we're gonna to have to look to those opportunities and some may be pretty big and bold and we need to realize that we're not gonna always get exactly what we want. Um, those developers need to have that opportunity to make money. They're taking huge risks, um, but we could get some really, really good things. Um, I think the continued focus on our existing strategic plan um, as at least a couple of you said, that those things are still really relevant because we, to a certain extent, have gotten sidetracked on some of those in the last year and a half because of the other things that we have had to uh, really focus on with Black Lives Matter and with COVID. Um, I think the ARPA money does give us that opportunity to do some pretty unique things. And as we all um, did agree on those you know, strategic um, investment funding opportunities, I think not only do we have that opportunity to give money directly to people, but we have the opportunity to invest in those things that when we look back five years, 10 years, 15 years, will have made a significant difference um, in this community. Um, and you know, I think between Laura and Bruce, I think you made a lot of great comments on how, and tying together so much of this in how if we do it right, we have the opportunity to promote growth we have that opportunity to promote diversity. And, and Laura, I think you said it so well of how many of these things can really tie together in making a safer community, which come back to a lot of the things that we were talking about in the summer of 2020, of you know, how do we reimagine the interaction of our police department with the residents of our community? Um, you know, how do we make it just a much more pleasant uh, comfortable, safe society here for everybody. So 
I would really just echo um, a lot of what my fellow counselors have said tonight um, and just wish you know the staff um, and the next council best of luck in putting all this together. Thank you. I'm going to ask that council um, if we can allow USG to speak up to three minutes and then sure. we will adjourn at that time. I won't take three minutes. Um, <laughs> we actually met with university leadership yesterday to talk about the university strategic plan. So I was able to bring like a lot of feedback from other executives into this, which was really helpful. Um, definitely affordable housing, um, working with the university. They're also um, coming up with a lot of ideas for this. So um, just subsidies, vouchers for students, less luxury apartments in general. Um, we wanna see landlords being held accountable, um, especially for those places that don't have recycling, like using resources to um, send people there and make sure that those are set up. Um, you guys talked a lot about your public transportation plans over the past couple months, and we like to see free fare for students. Um, and then just in general, like a lower police budget, um, students showed in the Reimagine Campus Safety Report that they just want reduced police presence in general in the community. So, thank you. Thank you. If, if you can give me just half minute. <laughs> I just want to ask Jeff for the, for the housing committee that we have, and you said there is a, a report gonna come soon uh, toward the end of the year. Do we have a student representative on that committee? No, there's not a student representative. I think Tracy Haichu and her staff have done some outreach. Um, I don't know if they've reached out to, to you all for some conversations, but I think there's been some efforts to do some outreach and that's ongoing. I um, think it's a good idea, one representative, at least from the university, so they can, since they are working on this kind of affordable house, if we can bring- Yeah, this Thursday, we actually have a meeting with Vaughn, who's in charge of housing and dining at the university, and Tracy will be there, and we're trying to get somebody from the tenants union to have a conversation about affordable housing. So. Awesome. Great. Thanks. Great. Great. Can you throw in trying to get, figure out how to get rid of homeless week into that conversation? Yes. Mm -hmm. That we'll was try. brought up during our strategic <laughs> plan yeah. as well yesterday. Oh, oh, right. Yes. Right. All right. Thank you all, Council. Thank you, USG, and thanks to everybody uh, for attending. We are going to adjourn. We will be back at 6 p.m. for our formal meeting. See you soon. Mm -hmm.